Today's reading is from Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 through 28. For I'll take you out of the nations, I'll gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove you from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you, and you will move to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Good morning. I'm Nancy, one of the pastors on the team, and I am so grateful to be here with you today. And we're live streaming, and it is amazing to be able to to be live with you in your home, and we're so excited to invite you back next week when we can return to 50% capacity. Details for registration will be coming up later in the service, but we've been praying for this, and we're so excited. That was a super fun Mother's Day video, wasn't it? Maybe bringing back some memories. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mamas out there, the natural mamas, the bonus mamas, the foster mamas, the the auntie and grandma mamas, those women who have stepped in to care in ways that, that were needed to provide love and care. It was also a little bit special to hear that scripture this morning. If you don't know, that scripture reader was my my baby, my youngest daughter, Sarah. And I'm also the, the bonus mama to four wonderful girls. And it has just enlarged my heart to be a parent, to be a mama. I know Mother's Day can also be hard on some of our hearts. When we have moms who have passed away or who weren't able to be there for us in the ways that we needed. And I know several of us haven't been able to see our moms over the past year. And it's been hard, and I recognize that. And I also think as we age, as we grow and gain experiences, we have a better understanding of what our moms went through when they were younger. Better understanding and appreciation for our moms. So today might be a little bit of a different experience for you, depending on your age, even for our kids Celebrating you, Mom. If you're a three- to six-year-old, today may mean making macaroni necklaces, picking dandelions, coloring a card. And if you're 12 to 15, today might mean making some runny scrambled eggs and burnt toast. I don't know. That actually reminds me one Mother's Day when my son Jacob wanted to surprise me with breakfast in bed. And it was edible. It was really good. He was just so excited to do it. I think he got up at 4.30 in the morning and served me breakfast like at 5.30. He had to wake me up and I'm like, oh, what's going on? It was wonderful, but a little bit early. So anyway, today can be different experiences for you. And I know that as having my own kids, my experiences have grown. My appreciation for them has deepened. And I appreciate my own mom, too. I remember calling her when my kids were teenagers and just apologizing for the numerous times she had to nag me about cleaning my room, about picking up the trail of wrappers and cans of soda that I left around the house. Mom, I'm sorry again. I get that, and I appreciate it. But through my own growth and experiences, my heart has deepened. My heart has grown maybe from being that self-focused teenager to, to learning how to share my heart with others. What about you? If you had kids, I'm, I'm sure as you were expecting that first baby, you had so much love. But when that babe was actually born, did your heart just burst out of your chest? 
And when you were maybe thinking about having another child, did you wonder, hmm, am I going to have enough love for another child? And then, of course, they're born and growing, and you've discovered your heart is so capable of expanding and love. Sometimes, though, our hearts betray us. We might get sidetracked with things going on around us. We might love things more than we should, loving things as a way to bring us satisfaction. We might strive to reach goals and become super focused on our paths, that that's what our heart focuses on. Or sometimes we get hurt by life's experiences, missed opportunities, pain in relationships. Might be a slight bruise that we we turn to God to heal, or we work at ourselves to heal. Or if left unchecked, it might callous over, it might get hard, and make it difficult to move on. Maybe we've even been feeling brokenhearted, making it hard for our hearts to feel again. Friends, we come to today's passage to hear from God in ways that he wants to renovate our hearts. Not just wiping away pain or misguided efforts, but doing something completely new and different in us. We've been in a series titled Renovate, Made New Again looking at the ways God wants to not only restructure our lives, but completely renovate our very being to become more like his son, Jesus. So I invite you to open your Bible or the Bible app to Ezekiel 36, verses 24 through 28. Kids, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open that. Or if you have your Bible ring, open that up to the book of Ezekiel. It is in the Old Testament. It's one of the books of prophecy. And this book was written by Ezekiel, who was a prophet. And before we dive into our passage, we need to understand what was going on during this time and and what prompted Ezekiel to prophesy. So this is a time in Israel's history that the people of God were scattered. They were exiled from the land God had promised them. God had allowed Jerusalem to to conquer them, to be conquered by the Babylonian Empire, by the King Nebuchadnezzar. And God's people were taken away and they lived in captivity in Babylon. They had lost everything due to their rebellion against God. And Ezekiel calls out their rebellion. He denounces their idolatry, and he proclaims oracles of doom. Oh my goodness. The Israelites were going to endure doom and hardship because they had rebelled. But if they would acknowledge their guilt and put their trust in God and his covenant promises, Ezekiel prophesies that that Israel's restoration will come. And they will again be given God's heart. I want to pause here to get that even bigger picture of the big God story as some of our students and children know about. Some of our kids may remember even this particular cycle. In the beginning, God created, and he had Adam and Eve, and and they sinned, and they had to leave the garden. But God still had a plan and said, I'm going to send a redeemer. I'm going to send a way to save you. And from here, God continues to work out that plan 
through his people because people were in the land and he made promises with his people we can think of the covenants he made with noah with abraham with moses and with moses as they had been delivered from egypt and were being sent to this land that god was promising them to bless them with god gave them the ten commandments and these ten commandments were not a way to control them they weren't a lot to control but to free the people to be able to worship god and in this first commandment he said i will be your god you will have no other gods before me and the second one you will have no idols you're not going to place anything else above me he was promising the words that are echoed again and again in the old testament i will be your god and you will be my people this directions i don't know we can look back and say they just didn't do it right maybe they had a selfish heart problem they had been delivered from egypt they had been given god's law god was with them and they still entered this cycle that they repeat over and over in the old testament they knew the commandments they knew everything in life was ordered around the way god provided for them the things god had given them so they could be his people but their hearts their hearts went a different way they continually entered into their own ways turning to idols outright rebelling against god in their rebellion they sinned and god would allow consequences to follow they would be conquered and in need of rescue and so they would turn from their ways and cry out in repentance to god and and god in his goodness would restore them and again they would cry out you will be our god and we will be your people and then again and again and again rebellion repentance restoration so we come back to this passage in ezekiel as the israelites are in captivity exiled from the blessing of land that god provided and ezekiel says if you would let go turn from your old sinful past and turn to god who has promised to do a new thing god will again be your god and you will be his people so let's dive in here verse 24 God says for I will take you out of the nations I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your land what a refreshing promise God is going to gather them up from their dispersal from the exile he's going to bring them back to the land he has promised them and in verse 25 I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean I will cleanse you from all your impurities from all your idols. Now remember water and cleansing, cleansing with water was a ritual act people would do to prepare to meet with God. And here before they come back to receive God's blessing, God himself will cleanse them. What a picture of a father's heart for his children. Now some translations use stronger language than impurities. Filthiness. Filthiness. He says I will clean this filth from you that clings to you that covers you that that mars you so I don't even recognize you that stinks. 
Because sin to God is like death on us, and it smells horrible to him. And he wants to cleanse us. And he says, I won't use that recycled water that other people have used. No, I have clean water, clean water to cleanse you. This is actually the only place in the Old Testament that clean water is used. What a loving heart God has. In verse 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This, excuse me, this echoes Ezekiel eleven nineteen, where he's speaking of the promise of Israel's return. And he says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Now, the heart is often understood in many ways in the Old Testament. Um, We see it as the wellspring where everything comes from, the, the seat of our memory, the seat of our emotions, where our thoughts and our being comes from. We can see this in Proverbs 4.23 as it warns, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We see the heart of our inclinations, our resolutions, our determinations of will. We see this in Psalm 57, 7. My heart, oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. And we try to lean into God's heart, as we see in Psalm 84, 2. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And when prompted to repentance... We can see it in Psalm 51.10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. And here in verse 26 of Ezekiel, God is saying, I am going to give you a new heart, an undivided heart. Because even though God had made this promise to be their God, they continually sought their own ways. Their, their hearts were divided. Earlier in Ezekiel, in chapter 18, verses 30 and 31, the warning had come. It says, repent, turn away from your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. This makes it sound like the responsibility is ours. Because... As fallen humans, we love to do things our own way, to fulfill our own desires, to do what's best for us, regardless of anyone around us. We seek comfort. We seek enjoyment. We just naturally curve to ourselves, taking our gaze off of God and fall into sinful ways. But remember, what God requires of his people He provides. He always provides. Here he's promising to take our tattered, torn, bruised, selfish heart and give us a new one. I will remove this heart of stone, this inner person, this broken mind, those hurt, callous spots, this self-seeking will, this filth that covers it. 
He says, I will remove this hardness and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, often we see flesh in the Bible as a sign of our human weakness and failure. But here we're seeing it also in opposition to stone. It's a teachable, pliable heart, a renovated heart. Continuing on in verse 27, God says, I will put my spirit, capital S spirit, in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And in verse 28, then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. In the cycle of restoration, God is bringing us back to him, to his covenant promise to be our God. And he's also pointing to that future he promised from the very beginning, the future he promised of the fulfillment of the new covenant in Jesus and the ultimate fulfillment of the new heaven and the new earth. This cycle of rebellion, repentance, and restoration this cycle that's happened again and again and again. God was also saying from the beginning, I have a better way. I have a new way. I have my son, Jesus Christ, who is going to bring living water to cleanse you, not just to soften those hard spots in your heart, but to give you a whole new one. And this new heart, I'm going to give it to you in the Holy Spirit who's going to write my words on your heart. No longer will my ways be a system of, of laws and structure around you, an outward sign of, of what your heart should do, allowing room for your heart to wander. No, in this new heart, with the Holy Spirit writing my ways, your heart will seek me. Your heart will want to know me. Your heart will want to be in relationship with me. This isn't just a renovation of our external actions and behaviors. More than just remodeling a building or remodeling our, our exterior selves of our, our own bodies, it's an inner spiritual and moral transformation that results in a single-minded commitment to the Lord and his ways, his will. When we accept Jesus as the one who saves, the one who exchanges our self-serving heart of stone for a heart like his, then we no longer have a divided heart. We're given a new heart that, that reorders, reframes our thoughts, our will, our actions, what we seek. It changes our flesh, our very being. Listen to these words from Romans 8, 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son 
in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jesus sets us free from the demand of the law and the pain of sin and death. He exchanges our heart of stone for a heart like his. And that is quite a renovation. Receiving the free gift of Jesus who continually works in us, renovating our heart and spirit. And this doesn't come from a special class to take, from legislating laws, from trying to be stronger, getting our life in order, organizing our calendar. There are no quick three-step processes we can do on our own. As Dallas Willard says in his book, Renovation of the Heart, Jesus' revolution is a revolution of character, which proceeds by changing people from the inside through ongoing personal relationship to God in Christ and to one another. This renovation of our heart is strengthened at the intersection of the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. To love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, and, and to make him known to other people. By the grace of God, we are invited into this to be ministers of the new covenant together. We practice at this in community with one another because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity, have always been in relationship since before creation. And so as we are in relationship, learning about him, being his people, and, and sharing that with others, he reframes our desires, he reframes our thoughts, he continues to make us and transform us into the image of his Son so that we're in relationship with one another, sharing our new heart with one another. And again, this is not something we do on our own. As we spend more time with the Father and the new life of the Son and the, open ourselves to the renovations of the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3, remind us, you yourselves are our letter written on your hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Not on hearts of stone, but on our very real inner being, hearts from God. Let's look one more time at our passage from Ezekiel. In these five verses, God says, I will, eight times. This is the work of God, my friends, and these are the promises of God. He says, I will gather you, I will cleanse you, I will give you a new heart, I will put my spirit in you. I will be your God, and I will love you. 
Friends, he loves us so much. He wants you to know regular experiences of his embrace. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to seek him and spend time with him. Let's look one more time at this verse. Because this is a free gift given to us now through Christ Jesus. He says you will be cleansed. You will live in blessing. You will be my people, my beloved daughters and sons. Friends, this has so many implications for our lives today, for us now, for the way we choose to live into the future. But I want to ponder and wonder with you for just a moment This is a practice I've been engaging in in my own life. Instead of worrying about things, I've been wondering how God is going to meet me, how Jesus is going to reveal himself. And we've been doing this with our Kairos kids too in our lessons as we wonder. So let's wonder together today. You might even close your eyes and reflect on these wonder questions. I wonder in what ways might we be scattered living in rebellion to what God wants for us what ways are we fighting arguing being divisive with one another are we feeling close to God or do we feel far from him I wonder what our hearts are seeking most What are we making a priority or an idol? Our jobs, our homes, our possessions, money, our kids, their sports, their accomplishments. I wonder what may be holding you back from a relationship with God. Is it your own way of living that you think is right? Your attitudes, habits, beliefs apart from God? Pride, selfishness, control? I wonder what you're feeling you need to be rescued from. Hopelessness? Helplessness? Loneliness. And I wonder where you need to turn back to God. Where can you simply turn to Jesus and prayer and say, Lord, forgive me. And I wonder if you perceive Jesus doing a new thing in your life, a new work. Do you perceive it? Do you sense his presence? Are you still enough to hear his voice? And I wonder what attitudes and ideals we need to lessen our grip on, allowing God to come in and renovate our hearts. I know for myself, 
I need to continually submit my heart, my will, my mind, my way of being to that of Jesus so that he can work in me, reforming me, remaking me, renovating my heart. Friends, let's pray. Oh Lord, we come to you this morning with our hurt, with our own ways of doing things, with our self-determination, with our self-centeredness. And we say, Jesus, forgive us. Lord, forgive us. We're sorry for the ways we've entered into rebellion and we cry out now as we turn from our ways. As we walk into repentance, Lord, help us see those areas that need to be cleared out and bring us back into into restoration through the power of your son, through his gift. Lord, restore us that we might be your people, that you would be our God. Lord, work in us. Renew us. We love you. In Jesus' name.